Welcome to the Self Fellowship Church Podcast. Here at Self Fellowship, we exist to help people live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. There will be no more gloom for those who are in darkness. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is to be born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judah, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go to Herod, they returned to their country by another route." Welcome, friends. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're visiting, we're so glad you chose to visit us on this Christmas Eve. If you're here with us all the time, we're really glad that you're here with us all the time, and we're really glad that you're here tonight. I'd love to start us thinking and wrestling with some of the ideas that were in that sketch, some of the ideas that were in this passage with this question. Have you ever found yourself lost? Have you ever found yourself lost? Have you ever found yourself lost? I feel like being lost is almost a ubiquitous experience. It almost doesn't make sense to ask, have you ever been lost at any point? Because almost every one of us has. Some of us are much better at it than others, admittedly. Some of us do it all the time. You probably have a person in mind, but every one of us has had that experience, I think, of of saying, I I don't know where I am. I remember this feeling as, as, as a child. I remember being in a supermarket on a busy Christmas shopping season, and I remember getting split up from my mother. I can remember this moment where I went back, and she wasn't where I'd left her. For those of you that are kids, you know, sometimes parents are not where you leave them. It's never your fault. It's always theirs. And I remember this moment where the adrenaline kicked in, and I went running around the aisles looking for her. When I replayed in my mind, it's kind of like if you've seen those old Benny Hill movies from over my neck of the woods, they kind of the policeman chasing someone in and out of a scene and they just go around in circles and never quite catch each other. I picture it somewhat like that, but it probably lasted a much shorter period of time than I'm thinking. But I remember this moment of joy when I saw her dress 
And I went running over and threw my arms around her, only to find that it was somebody else. It was so embarrassing. I was like 15 years older than no, I wasn't really 15 years old. <laughs> but there was this moment of joy, and then this moment where I found no, all my hopes had sort of disappeared. In, in some cunning strategy to make money, the dressmaker had apparently made more than one dress, and somebody else had, had meanly chosen to wear it that day. It was this moment of, I feel so lost, and I don't know what to do. And so think about a time maybe where you've felt lost physically, and my question would be, well, what did you do to help you find your way? What, what helped you? Because you're here now, so assuming at some point you found yourself and, uh, and it led you to this moment, but we have those experiences where we say, oh, I felt so lost. Have you ever found yourself lost? It's almost an oxymoron of a sentence, right? How can you find yourself lost? But the sentence itself is supposed to speak into the suddenness that that experience can have at times. I, everything was going along fine, and suddenly I'm, I'm in a spot that I don't know. Now, I'd been in Denver maybe like five minutes before I realized that Denver actually had a handy solution to being physically lost. You just drive around until you see mountains, and then you know where West is, and then you're fine. It's, it's quite simple. Just see so you guys that grew up here know that's not like a universal experience. Not everybody knows that experience. There's other places like England where I grew up where the, the roads just wind like crazy and you never know where you are. So maybe you get more used to being lost. But you, you kind of see the mountains and you're like, okay, I, I know where to go. I'm physically kind of coordinated again. But what happens when the mountains aren't there? Or maybe what happens when you're in the middle of them? And maybe, just maybe now, I'm not speaking physically, but I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about maybe emotionally. What happens when you're surrounded by mountains that, that aren't necessarily physical, but just giants, things that you didn't expect to experience in life, things that kind of got thrown your way, and suddenly you're like, well, what do I do now? In actual fact, this is the experience of those famous explorers, uh, Lewis and Clark. Lewis, when he was bringing, taking this expedition, he got to the Continental Divide and he had this moment where the landscape in front of him looked nothing like the landscape of the past. Suddenly there was a huge range of Rockies that stretched out in front of him and no one had navigated them before, at least no one from a European background. And, and so he was left, well, one, what do I do now? And, and two, how do I know the direction that I'm supposed to take? How do I know the direction I'm supposed to take? Where's the guidance for this? There's probably loads of other metaphors we could tap into about being lost. We could talk about being lost at sea and how vast the ocean is and how dark it gets at night and how mysterious the thing that you're floating on is. And the stories about people that have been lost at sea for a whole year just trying to figure out where they're supposed to go. And for a long time, before we had GPS, all those different things, human beings relied on stars for that kind of guidance. They relied on a physical point that said to them, this is the direction, particularly the North Star. So when I was in my teenage years, I, I decided I was gonna spend a lot of time learning to navigate by the stars and, and learning to read the clock face that you can see in the sky. And the main reason I did this was because I thought, how romantic on like a first date or something to be able to take someone and say, have you ever looked at the stars? Let me explain their mysteries to you. It never worked in a dating context, but it does mean I'm somewhat slightly less likely to get lost in the wilderness, I guess. There is this way that we've, we've relied on things like stars to give ourselves like a physical sense of direction. 
But what about when it's not physical? What about when it is emotional? It's spiritual. So maybe I'd ask that question again. Have you ever found yourself lost? Had that moment where you're like, it just, I'm not sure where I am. Emotionally, spiritually, everything feels a little bit confused. Think about that sketch we just watched. We picked these five moments in somebody's life. And, and of course, like most lives, it starts off so simply, doesn't it? A small child dances around a Christmas tree, climbs onto a bed and prays a very simple prayer that gives themselves some sense of their place in the world, some sense of structure. But then you think about the different scenes and what it is to be at college and maybe, just maybe to be lonely for the first time what it is to attempt to survive in a world that isn't always easy on poverty and struggle and and just trying to get through and asking, can I get through? Is there a better story? What it is to bring a child into the world and and realize that you've spent all your life worrying about you and now you're suddenly worried about this other thing that, that maybe is far more significant. You have maybe more fears for that child than you ever had for yourself. And then finally, there's the there's the loss, there's the grief what it is to spend decades and decades with the same person and then to have them absent. The sketch wrestles with this idea of can Christmas, the Christmas story, the prayer itself, can it ground you? Can it give you guidance when life isn't as simple as it feels like it should be? When life gets far more complicated, does it still matter then? And that is a question that I'm pretty convinced that the guys from our story that we just read from Matthew chapter 2 would appreciate. We just read this story about these people, they're called Magi. Now, you may know them as kings. I'm sure some of you were in a drama or sketch at church or school where you were one of the kings at some point. That was like the high point of my acting career. I was Melchior, some kind of king from some kind of place, and all of my acting went downhill from there. But I, I was once in one of those plays, and they're not necessarily kings, but they are stargazers, priests of Zoroaster from Persia who have for some reason made an incredible journey at the moment of Jesus' birth. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is born King of the Jews? There is so much going on between the first couple of lines and the next lines. They made a journey east. It makes it sound so casual. Something they have seen in their stargazing, some star, some comet has said to them, your journey now lies west. You make this journey and something will be revealed to you. Maybe they'd read one of the old Hebrew scriptures that said something like this, I see him but not now, I behold him but not near, a star will come. Maybe it was a prophecy from their own religion, but something draws them and that sounds simple. But this journey is hundreds of miles. They would have left the palaces in Persia, Iran, somewhere like that, and made this journey uphill, 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 climbing, climbing, to the point where they would reach the snow peaks and the difficult journeys of the Silk Road, a journey they'd probably never made before, and then down again into Jerusalem. The poet T.S. Eliot just captures perfectly some of the idea here. A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year for a journey and such a long journey The way is deep, the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. They make this journey in incredible difficult conditions and and Elia again starts to say, there were times we regretted it. Was this journey worth it? What would they find at the end of it? And so we get to continue to read. We saw his star 
when it rose and have come to worship him. What did they read that said to them, these people that had spent their lives reading the future and getting direction from celestial bodies were going to make this journey to find a child who had been, being, been born king of a different nation? Why did they care? Why, why to them did it matter? What was the purpose? We have no answer, and yet this journey they do make And we get to see the way that they reflect the joy in this journey. The star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Their journey is over. But I'm still curious as to what they expected to see. Had they come to see some king of royal lineage, some king of some kind of famous family, and yet they end up in a backwater town. Bethlehem is a a nothing town. Six miles outside of Jerusalem, it's, it's got no real purpose. It just exists, and, and they end up in this town. And we sang that lyric, right, that we ended on just before the sketch. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in this tiny backwater. Is this thing really significant? Is it significant to people who've spent their lives gazing at stars and reading celestial bodies, and now they're about to worship a child? And yet that's what we read on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. They bowed down and worshipped this child after worshipping stars, after reading everything in space. They're now worshipping a child. Something tells them that all of their hopes and fears, everything that they need is somehow met in this tiny child. They found what they need in this tiny child backwater town and then the star disappears from the the story it's in the past it got them where they needed to go but we simply read they returned to their own country they went back in the other direction but taking this story with them I wonder what kind of story they took back what what they explained to people when they went home what does this story mean for them and did the story grow with them I think that's a question that maybe each of us has to wrestle with. We get very comfortable with the story we celebrate today. We have this moment of Christmas, this moment of excitement, and this is all centered around a 2,000-year-old baby shower, essentially. We celebrate this moment where a child was born. But it has to be more than just that part. Don't get me wrong, there's something wonderful about this story. If the world is like a cosmic game of hide and seek and God disappears at time, it's at this moment that, that God says, I'm not hiding, I'm in the story. I'm stepping into my own story. But again, it's not just about a baby being born, is it? It doesn't and it can't stay like that. Maybe for some people, though, it, it does. According to the philosopher Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights, the child does stay a child. If you've seen the Will Ferrell movie, there's this moment where they gather around the table at Christmas and he prays, dear eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. And when his family push back and his family challenge him and say, wait, you do know he grew up to be a man, don't you? He says, yeah, but I like the baby version. You can pray to whichever Jesus you want when you're praying, but I like to pray to the baby one. To him, the child doesn't grow up. It never becomes another story. It's not at the beginning. That's the story. And and yet, for Matthew, I think it's more than that. For Matthew, the story does grow. For Matthew, the story does have significance beyond just this moment. 
because it matters that Jesus grew up. I'll ask you the question again. Have you ever found yourself lost and what might help you find your way? It's a very simple Christmas message, but Matthew's answer would be Jesus will help you find your way. And so as I finish this short sermon, what are we inviting you into? And I don't know where you are spiritually on your journey. I don't know whether you're someone that sees church as a Christmas and Easter thing or something, someone that sees it more significant, but I'd love to invite you into something. I'd love you to invite you into this idea that, that God offers and the Christmas story offers this hope that you can be in relationship with God. I'm not, I'm not just talking about saying a prayer at some point. I'm talking about a continual ongoing thing. 2,000 years ago, 12 men came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Because we don't know how. They'd had prayers of childhood, maybe prayers that were very simple, like the one that we heard, but they saw in Jesus this relationship with God that said there must be something more. We'd love this Christmas season to invite you, if you don't have a church home, to join us as we follow this journey through the Lord's Prayer. And, And maybe you feel like those people. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to be in relationship with God. And I would suggest that that is a learned art form. But it's a learned art that does, that does have a beginning. And so I'd like to finish with another story about light. There's a story about a family in rural Colorado, out where the stars really shine, out where it doesn't, like there's not lights everywhere. And these three girls that live with their parents all start to get sick of rural life and so decide to try and move to big cities somewhere. And as each one leaves, the mother says to them, I'm going to leave the porch light on for you. First child leaves, I'll leave the porch light on for you. Second child leaves, I'll leave the porch light on for you. And as the third child prepares to leave one day, she preempts her mother and says, are you going to leave the porch light on for me? And the mother replies this, Yes, you never know when you might need to find your way home. And as the story unpacks, what we hear from these three lives is for each of them, there are different moments where home calls to them, where something about life gets so complicated, so difficult, that they make this journey home. And even when they have homes of their own, they describe how the porch lights in their homes never quite shine the way the ones at the ranch in rural Colorado shine. It's this call of home, this call that sometimes you need something to come back to. I would suggest that this Christmas story, these lights that are as insignificant as candles and spectacular and explosives as stars, are all ways that God invites you and I back into his story. When life gets difficult, complicated, as we move through different seasons, we're invited back in, whatever's going on. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. God, as we continue to sing and enjoy your presence, as we continue to celebrate the light of Christmas come into the world, continue to speak to us and call us towards you. Amen. If God is working in your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give online at southfellowship.org give or on the South Fellowship Church app. Thanks for listening, South family. Have a great rest of your day.